0: Good morning. I am Janet Russell, and I am the pastor of Christian Formation and Community Life. And here we are again at my home. I'm having some health challenges, and it makes it difficult for me to be with you in person. So I am grateful for technology, and I am very grateful for my wonderful son, who is a filmmaker. We have been in the midst of a sermon series on the seven last words of Christ, his last words that were spoken on the cross. And this morning, we're going to focus on, I am thirsty. But first, will you pray with me? Thirst. Oh God, may our thirst this morning be for you and for your word for us. May you pour out your living water on our parched lips today. And Lord, we pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Have you ever been really thirsty? Maybe you've been playing or working in the hot sun outside. When a group of us were in Israel, we were on a long hike that went from in the valley from Jericho up to Jerusalem, and it was hot and desolate. It was a lot different than hiking here. It made you really understand the importance of water in those lands. And what the psalmist meant when he cried out to God, Oh, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. As the day wore on and our water bottles emptied, one woman was resting on a rock and she just waved us on saying, Go on without me. Save yourselves. And we all did eventually make it back safely to the bus. But it was one of those times when water felt especially delicious on the cross Jesus is thirsty God the Son the one who made the clouds the lakes the one who brings the rains and floods the fields the one who created water in his dying moments is thirsty how can this one who is fully God who declared himself to be living water thirst now, there's some that challenged the early believers that thought that Jesus was just some sort of phantom, that he was God, but he didn't really exist in flesh and blood. Charles Spurgeon, he responded to Jesus' thirsty cry, is it not clear proof that he was certainly man? A spirit doesn't thirst. A spirit neither eats nor drinks. Jesus, God was not somehow above suffering he wasn't God sometimes and man at others at the same one who said I am the resurrection and the life he felt tired and hungry he felt pain when the crown of thorns was jammed on his head and when he was beaten he felt the sting of rejection when his disciples deserted him and when he was mocked for being the king that he truly was He felt the stab of the nails as they were driven into his hands. And after a night of sweating so intensely that it was like drops of blood falling on the ground, and after enduring interrogation and torture, and after many hours in the hot sun, Jesus is thirsty. The psalmist describes it in Psalm 22. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. Potsherd is a broken piece of pottery, a chunk of clay pot. My mouth is dried up like potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Jesus was fully God and fully human. And because he suffered, he understands our suffering, whatever, whatever you're going through, illness, pain fatigue, broken relationships, rejection, persecution. Jesus gets it because he's been there. But there's also a deeper layer to our text which doesn't minimize Jesus' suffering of intense physical thirst. Jesus also thirsts for God and he thirsts for us. Our text says later, knowing that everything had now been finished and that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Not to steal Pastor Phil's thunder because next week he's preaching on it is finished. But here we see that Jesus is fully cognizant that his work is completed. The evening before in the upper room, he prayed, I have brought you glory by finishing the work you gave me to do. Jesus' whole life was to obey, to serve, to glorify his Father in heaven. And the writer John makes it clear that everything that happens, even his thirst on the cross, is all part of God's redemptive plan. Jesus is consciously, he's deliberately fulfilling God's purposes that have been declared in the scriptures. Jesus grew up learning those Hebrew scriptures. His mind was steeped in them. And he understood that those words were speaking about him, about his life. And when he says he's thirsty, the soldiers, in a moment of pity, offered Jesus vinegar wine, which was a common drink for laborers and soldiers then. And it was probably there for the soldiers to drink on that hot day as they waited in the sun. And Psalm 69 says, They gave me vinegar for my thirst a simple act, scripture is fulfilled. But Jesus' words also bring to mind Psalm 42, too. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? The words that were prior to this, Pastor Phil spoke on last week. They were, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And after a life of complete intimacy with his Abba Father. Jesus felt utterly abandoned by God. Even as a child when Jesus was left behind in Jerusalem, the response to his parents' anxiety was, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? (laughs) Jesus said, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. And he also said, I and my father are one, (laughs) which nearly got him stoned by the religious leaders. But now, on the cross, he feels that God is absent. His soul thirsts for God, the living God. When can he go and meet with God? Jesus thirsts for God, but he also thirsts for you and me. The Apostle John also, he uses a surprising word in our text. He says that they lifted this vinegar-soaked sponge up to Jesus on a stalk of the hyssop plant. This phrase generates almost humorous discussion among commentators. Hyssop is a tall flowering herb that looks a lot like lavender. And many think its stem couldn't possibly be strong enough to be used to lift a sponge to Jesus' lips. Its implausibility suggests that the writer John is revealing something important here, that he's trying to help us make some linguistic connections. In the Exodus story, the Israelites were instructed to use bunches of hyssop to dab their door frames with blood so that the angel of the Lord would pass over them protecting their firstborn sons. God used the blood-drenched hyssop to mark them for salvation and deliverance. And in Leviticus, hyssop was used to spatter blood as a sign of purification. That's why Jesus, or excuse me, David prays for God to forgive his sin by saying, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. The writer John wants us to hear these echoes. Jesus' death is a new Passover. By his blood shed on the cross, we are purified. We are cleansed from sin. We are saved from death. We are delivered. Jesus thirsts for you. He thirsts for you to know that through the cross, you are forgiven. You are purified. You are cleansed. He thirsts for you to know that you are saved from death, that you will die a physical death, but you will be forever with Him. He thirsts for you to know the intimacy that He knows with His Father, God. He thirsts for you to know how much He loves you. The Apostle Paul prayed for us, that we would grasp the height, the breadth, the depth of Christ's love that is beyond comprehension, so that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Jesus thirsts for you to know his inexpressible love and to be filled with him. On another hot, thirsty day, Jesus met a woman at a well and asked her to give him a drink. Now he tells this woman that if she had an inkling of who it was that was asking for a drink, that she would be asking him and he would give her living water. Now, she thought he was just being ridiculous because the well was deep and he didn't even have a bucket. But Jesus told this woman, if you drink from that well, you're going to get thirsty again soon. But if you drink from the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. The living water I give will become a fresh, bubbling spring within you, giving eternal life. What are you thirsty for? The Samaritan woman longed for love. It was evidenced by her serial relationships with men. Last week in our Lent group study, we were discussing where we find our sense of identity. What shows us who we are? What gives us value? What fills us up? What makes us happy? What brings us satisfaction and contentment? What do you thirst for? We had a dog named Barnaby who was not the smartest pup in the litter. Barnaby chewed the light off the back of our trailer and ate it light bulb and all. And Mark made a fence for to keep him in our yard. And it was a split rail fence that just had two rungs. One was maybe six inches high off the ground and the other about a foot and a half. And we think that Barnaby thought that all other dogs were ghost dogs because they could just run right through that fence that they went under it, they went through it, they went over it. It never slowed any other dog down. But Barnaby was stymied. Our neighbors thought it was hysterical that this wimpy fence would keep this big active dog in our yard. But when we took Barnaby to the saltwater beach, we always brought brought him some fresh water to drink. But Barnaby invariably would be just lapping up the saltwater indiscriminately. And not surprisingly, on the drive home, We would consistently have a mess to clean up in the back of the car. Barnaby's tummy would belatedly realize that what he thirsted for was not really what was best for him. The things that we thirst for, affirmation, recognition, love, power, control, influence, success, achievement, independence, strength, safety, comfort. They may not be inherently bad for us like salt water, but they can leave us in a mess because they won't quench the deep thirst that we have within us. They will leave us thirsty again and again. And when we are striving to quench our thirst by these disordered thirsts, we are dulled from seeking what truly satisfies. Another boyfriend or husband was not going to be what quenched the Samaritan's woman thirst for love. But the temporary titillation might keep her from seeking what she really needed. Too often, we try to quench our thirst, like Barnaby just indiscriminately lapping up whatever our feet happen to be standing in. Whatever our families or our culture say, that that will be the answer for us. We don't take the time to wonder, is this for my best? Will this truly satisfy? Is this going to last? Jesus beckons, I am the living water. Come to me and you will never thirst again. I am the only one who can truly satisfy. What does it look like to be satisfied to have our thirst quenched i think of the words that were written by a man who lived in a time of tremendous division and great violence he endured extreme hardship in his living conditions he dealt with broken relationships betrayals and intense grief he made a lot of mistakes that hurt god and hurt a lot of other people And yet he knew where to turn. He knew the only source that satisfies. And he proclaimed with utter confidence, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He restores my soul. I fear no evil because you are with me. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We tend to think of Psalm 23 as a comforting lullaby, something to read at funerals just to provide solace for the grieving. But it is a profound anthem of faith sung in the midst of a life that was filled with challenges a proclamation of thirst satisfied, of the deepest need being met generously and abundantly. Jesus, thirst for you to know him like that, for you to lack nothing, for your cup to overflow, for you to dwell with him forever. He invites you. Come All of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Let's pray. Lord, many of us are spiritually dehydrated. We live in fear and anxiety and loneliness. And we wonder if we're good enough or if we're doing enough. And we long for something more or something different we posture and we strive seeking to slake our thirst with disordered priorities. Open our eyes to our preoccupations and our misplaced desires. Search us, O God. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. And may we cry out with the psalmist, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. And may our lives and our words echo David's, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Living water, pour yourself out among us. Flow in us and through us a fresh bubbling spring welling up to eternal life. Amen.